Hello, everybody, and welcome back to For the Love of True Crime podcast. Before I jump into the material, I would like to just give a disclaimer that this is all information I got from various forms of media and I am putting into one podcast. Everything I say is simply an opinion or information I have found on the internet about the case. I also want to give a warning that today's case does involve children, kind of, and abuse, so if that isn't your style, please click off now. Today we will be discussing Gypsy Rose Blanchard and the murder of her mother, Dee Dee Blanchard. But before we discuss Gypsy, let's learn more about her mother. Dee Dee's real name was Claudine Pitray, and she was born in Chack Bay, Louisiana in 1967. She was one of five children. Dee Dee had a habit of stealing from her family when things did not go her way. In her early adult life, Dee Dee worked as a nurse's aide where she learned about medical conditions and different medications. When Dee Dee was just 24 years old, she fell pregnant by a 17-year-old man named Ron Blanchard. The couple married, and then Gypsy Rose Blanchard was born. However, the marriage did not last long, as Ron felt that he got married for the wrong reasons. After Ron told Dee Dee that he no longer wanted to be married, Dee Dee took Gypsy and moved back in with her family. During the time when Dee Dee was back home, her mother fell very ill. Relatives accused Dee Dee of poisoning her mother's food with Roundup Weed Killer. After this accusation, Dee Dee left the home and her mother suddenly stopped feeling ill. Now, let's discuss Gypsy. Gypsy was born on July 27, 1991, which makes her a Leo. Gypsy did not have it easy from the get-go. She was diagnosed with sleep apnea while she was still a baby. And by the time Gypsy was eight years old, Dee Dee started claiming that Gypsy was showing signs of leukemia and muscular dystrophy, which required Gypsy to remain in a wheelchair and be fed through a tube. But the list of medical conditions did not stop there. Dee Dee felt that her daughter was also experiencing seizures, asthma, and hearing and visual impairments. Due to all these medical conditions, Gypsy was on numerous medications and underwent a number of surgical procedures. These surgeries included procedures conducted on her eyes, and she even had her salivary glands removed. This later caused Gypsy's teeth to rot, and they were all pulled out of her mouth. Now, you're probably thinking, wow, this poor sickly child. But before you feel too bad, I should probably tell you that all of Gypsy's conditions were a fabrication of her mother's imagination. Gypsy could in fact walk, and she did not need a feeding tube, and she was not suffering from cancer. The only reason Gypsy had a bald head was because her mother told her that it would eventually start falling out and they needed to keep it neat and shave it all off. Experts believe that Dee Dee Blanchard was suffering from Munchausen's by proxy. The definition of Munchausen's by proxy is a mental health problem in which a caregiver makes up or causes an illness or injury in a person under his or her care. Since vulnerable people are typically the victims, Munchausen's by proxy is a form of abuse. It has been said that Dee Dee fabricated her daughter's illnesses in order to receive attention and sympathy. After Hurricane Katrina devastated the area that Gypsy and Dee Dee were residing in in 2005, Dee Dee saw this opportunity as a fresh start. Dee Dee claimed that all of Gypsy's medical records and birth certificate were destroyed. This made it very easy for Dee Dee to say whatever she wanted to doctors and get her way. In 2008, Dee Dee and Gypsy were given a small home that was painted pink, built just for them, that included a wheelchair ramp and a hot tub by Habitat for Humanity. 
A single mother raising a quote-unquote severely disabled daughter all alone came across as very moving to the public, which granted them a lot of media attention, which later led to financial compensation. With sympathy for the duo, they were given many free things in life, including free trips to Disney World and even backstage passes to their favorite singers' concerts. Gypsy's father, Ron Blanchard, was very much kept in the dark for a lot of Gypsy's life. He sent the child support check every month and sometimes sent gifts along with it. He would even get an occasional phone call, normally on Gypsy's birthdays. On Gypsy's 18th birthday, Ron recalls calling and Dee Dee answering the phone. Dee Dee asked Ron not to specifically say it was her 18th birthday since Gypsy was so underdeveloped and thought she was turning 14. Dee Dee kept altering Gypsy's age to make it seem like she was younger than she actually was in order to stay in control of her and her medical treatments. In a later interview, Gypsy admitted that she was unsure of her real age for 15 years of her life. Gypsy was almost saved by doctors before things got out of hand. When she was 14 years old, Gypsy saw a neurologist named Bernardo Flasterstein in Missouri who believed that Dee Dee may have had Munchausen's by proxy. But unfortunately, this doctor did not follow through with the report to authorities. Another beacon of hope arose in 2009 when an anonymous source made a report to authorities claiming that Dee Dee was abusing her daughter as Gypsy showed no signs of medical conditions that Dee Dee was claiming she had. This led two caseworkers to stop by the pink house and investigate, but Dee Dee used her southern charm and convinced them that this was just a misunderstanding, and the file was closed. Dee Dee used physical abuse to keep Gypsy in check. Gypsy didn't know what illnesses were real and which were fake, but she was aware that she could walk and eat sugar, which Dee Dee claimed Gypsy was severely allergic to. In order to keep Gypsy in line, Dee Dee would hold her hand in public and squeeze very hard to communicate with her. When the two would get home from an incident where Dee Dee had to squeeze Gypsy's hand, Dee Dee would strike her with open hands or a coat hanger. Something that Gypsy and Dee Dee loved to do together was go to science fiction and fantasy conventions where Gypsy would dress up in her favorite costumes. During a convention in 2011, Gypsy met a man while attending and attempted to escape her mother and run away with him. Gypsy told the man that she was of age, so the man agreed. However, Dee Dee found Gypsy and the man in a motel room and showed Gypsy's falsified birth certificate that said Gypsy was underage, and Dee Dee threatened to call the police. Gypsy failed to escape yet again and was brought back to her furious mother. When they arrived back at the house, Dee Dee smashed Gypsy's computer with a hammer and threatened to do the same to her fingers if she ever tried to leave again. But the punishment did not stop there. Dee Dee kept Gypsy on a leash and chained to her bed for two whole weeks after this incident. The manipulation only got worse when Dee Dee revealed to Gypsy that she was filed as mentally incompetent and convinced Gypsy that if she ever tried to go to the police, they would never believe her. Beginning in 2012, Gypsy started secretly using the internet while her mother slept in order to avoid the Titan supervision. It was during this time that Gypsy met Nicholas Godijan from Big Bend, Wisconsin. Before we move any further, let's learn more about Nicholas. Nicholas Paul Godijan was born on May 20, 1989, making him a Taurus. 
There is not much information about Nicholas's childhood out there, besides the fact that he was diagnosed with a low average IQ and autism spectrum disorder. Nicholas had his first run-in with the law when he was 23 years old, when he was caught masturbating in a McDonald's. It was during this arrest that he was also charged for illegally carrying a folding knife on his person. He claimed that he had disassociative identity disorder and Asperger's, but neither were formally diagnosed. Gypsy and Nicholas met on a Christian dating website and bonded over their shared interests in BDSM. Nicholas claimed to be different people with different personalities and even asked Gypsy to develop different personalities for his other alters. So, she did. Nicholas also claimed that he had a bad side that wanted to kill, and this sparked ideas in Gypsy's mind. It wasn't until two years later that Gypsy would finally tell someone about her online boyfriend. She decided to confide in Aaliyah Woodmancy, who was Gypsy's neighbor. Even though in reality Gypsy was close in age to Aaliyah, Gypsy considered her to be her big sister. She told Aaliyah all about Nicholas, but since Aaliyah thought that Gypsy was still a teenager, she worried that Gypsy was talking to a sexual predator. Gypsy went on to say that she and Nicholas planned on eloping like in a fairy tale, and also that they even had names picked out for their future children. In 2015, Gypsy arranged for Nicholas to come down to Springfield to meet her mother. But Gypsy knew that her mother would never approve if she knew the truth about how they had been dating for two years prior. So they came up with this grand plan that Gypsy would ask her mom to go see a movie at their local theater. It would be there that Nicholas would swoop in and charm his way into Dee Dee loving him. Then they would start dating and they would have a future together. They even went as far as to dress up as Cinderella and Prince Charming. Unfortunately for everyone involved, the plan did not go swimmingly. In reality, Dee Dee found Nicholas to be very creepy, as he was an adult seeing a children's movie alone. Nicholas tried to speak with Gypsy and Dee Dee, but Dee Dee kept moving to different seats and yelling at him to stop following them. With their plan failing, Gypsy decided to make the best of it and lead Nicholas into the bathroom so the two could have sex. Since their fairy tale plan did not go accordingly, a new plan was in motion. Gypsy asked Nicholas if his bad side would kill her mother in order for them to be together forever. The bad side agreed. In June of 2015, Nicholas came back to Springfield to carry out the murder plan. Nicholas stayed in a motel until Dee Dee fell asleep that night. Once Dee Dee drifted off into her slumber, Nicholas arrived on the premises of the pink house. This is where Gypsy provided Nicholas with gloves, duct tape, and a hunting knife in order to carry out the murder. Before Dee Dee was brutally murdered, Gypsy ran into the bathroom and covered her ears so she wouldn't hear her mother's screaming. However, Dee Dee's screams were no match for Gypsy's hands over her ears. Gypsy still heard her mother's blood-curdling screams and Dee Dee even called out for Gypsy a few times, but Gypsy did not move. Nicholas stabbed Dee Dee in the back 17 times in order to murder his girlfriend's mother at her request. The couple went on to have sex in Gypsy's bedroom and then stole $4,000 in cash to help them run away back to Nicholas's house in Big Ben, Wisconsin. But before heading back to Wisconsin, the couple stayed in a motel outside of Springfield for a few days while they planned their next moves. Over the course of these few days, the couple is seen on CCTV footage several times. Later, Gypsy stated that at this point she truly believed that they had gotten away with what they did. 
but little did they know a storm was coming. Before hopping on a bus back to Wisconsin, the couple decided to mail the murder weapon back to Nicholas's house so they wouldn't be caught with it on their person. After arriving in Wisconsin, Gypsy started to feel guilty for what happened and did not want her mother's body to lay in the house any longer than it had to. They decided that Gypsy would log into her and her mother's shared Facebook page and post an alarming message. The post read, quote, The bitch is dead. Once the comments started piling on, Gypsy added a comment of her own, stating, I effing slashed that fat pig and raped her sweet, innocent daughter. Her scream was so effing loud. LOL. This raised the concern that Gypsy was looking for. Friends of Dee Dee were responding to the post, calling her with no answer and eventually contacting the police. When police arrived on the scene, they had to wait for a search warrant before entering the house. However, they allowed one of the neighbors and friends of Dee Dee to climb through an open window and check things out. This is where she saw the house was undisturbed and more alarmingly, all of Gypsy's wheelchairs were still in the house. Once the search warrant was approved, it did not take long for police to find the dead body of Dee Dee Blanchard, who was stabbed to death in her bed. Immediately, a GoFundMe was set up in order to raise money for the medical bills that would surface with Gypsy being returned to the family and friends. They believed that even if she was unharmed, she would be helpless without her wheelchair and medications. Aaliyah decided to come clean about what Gypsy told her about an older man she met online to the police. She gave police his name and they decided to trace the IP address of where the post was made on the joint Facebook account. The IP address was traced to Big Ben, Wisconsin, where Nicholas lived. It was the next day that police raided Nicholas's home and found both Nicholas and Gypsy hiding in an armoire. The couple surrendered and were taken into custody under the charges of first-degree murder and felony armed criminal action. Springfield was relieved that Gypsy was alive and safe. However, things changed when Greene County Sheriff Jim Arnott announced that Gypsy was never sick and her mother had fabricated everything in order to conduct fraud. He also stated that Gypsy was physically abused and he urged people to stop donating to the GoFundMe until more information was discovered. After the truth was unveiled about the way Dee Dee lied and abused her daughter, the victimization shifted from Dee Dee to Gypsy, as Gypsy was a survivor of her mother in many ways. The interrogations of Gypsy Rose and Nicholas Godijan were very interesting. We'll start with Gypsy's interview. Gypsy tried to maintain her innocence for as long as she could, but investigators were set on the fact that Gypsy was involved in the murder, so they began the interrogation with a direct confrontation. They asked Gypsy if she was involved and told her that she needed to be honest. Gypsy acted confused and that's when detectives told Gypsy that her mother was dead. Gypsy acted shocked and started to cry, claiming that she had no idea that her mother had passed. She denied any involvement and even went as far as to say that her and her mom were best friends and she would never do something like this. The investigators got nothing but acting out of Gypsy, so they arrested her as a suspect. From jail, Gypsy called her father and claimed that she was innocent and that she was still his little girl. Gypsy eventually confessed to orchestrating her mother's murder, but stood by the fact that it seemed like the only way out of her scary situation. Now, let's talk about Nicholas's interview. He pretty much immediately confessed to stabbing Dee Dee to death. He tried to blame his multiple personalities to the detective and said that Gypsy knew about his bad side and that is why she asked him to do the stabbing. 
Nicholas even admitted that he wanted to rape Dee Dee before killing her, but Gypsy convinced him not to by saying that he could rape her instead after the murder was done. What makes Nicholas's interrogation so interesting is how nonchalant he acts during the whole thing. He recounts the murder like he's telling the detective about a trip to the grocery store. It is very chilling, and if you would like to see this firsthand, the interrogation was released to the public and is on YouTube. However, there are only certain clips of Gypsy's interview available to the public. Now let's talk about the trials for both Gypsy and Nicholas. Even though first-degree murder can carry the death penalty under Missouri law, County Prosecutor Dan Patterson said he would not be seeking it for either Gypsy or Nicholas, as the case was not textbook and had a lot of extenuating circumstances. In July of 2015, Gypsy was offered a plea deal of 10 years in prison with the charge of second-degree murder, and she accepted. She will be eligible for parole in the beginning of 2024. Gypsy was actually so undernourished that she gained 14 pounds during her time in county jail, which is strange because people typically lose a lot of weight during this time. Nicholas, however, was facing more serious charges. He was examined by professionals and they determined that his IQ was 82, meaning it was low average, and that he was in fact on the autism spectrum. His lawyers used this information to try and argue that he had diminished capacity when it came to decision making. In November of 2018, Nicholas's trial began. His lawyers tried to point the finger at Gypsy, claiming that she was the sole mastermind and even provided Nicholas with the murder weapon. Gypsy testified during Nicholas's case and took some responsibility for the murder, but at the end of the day, Nicholas was the one who bared the knife. After just two hours of jury deliberation, they returned with a unanimous decision that Nicholas was guilty of first-degree murder and armed criminal action. In February of 2019, Nicholas was sentenced to life in prison. After Dee Dee's murder, Gypsy has come to terms with the fact that she may have overreacted. She now realizes that she could just prove she wasn't ill by simply standing up in front of someone and telling them the truth. But unfortunately, Dee Dee had conditioned Gypsy into thinking that no one would ever believe her. Gypsy states that although she knew she could walk and eat regular food, she had no idea what illnesses she really had. Gypsy claims that she truly believed that she had leukemia and was shocked to learn that she in fact did not. Gypsy actually enjoys prison life as she feels that she has more freedom being locked up than she ever had with her mother. Although she admits that she is not happy that her mother is dead, she is happy to be out of the situation that she was in. The community's response to this case involved people feeling absolutely heartbroken and confused. Neighbors of the Blanchards had a very hard time coming to terms with the truth that Gypsy was perfectly healthy. No one ever asked for proof as Dee Dee was so convincing and charming. Gypsy's family stands behind her decisions, even going as far as endorsing them. Ron Blanchard stated that there was no escaping Dee Dee's web of lies, and Gypsy did what she had to do. Dee Dee's family were extremely disappointed in the truth that Dee Dee lied about Gypsy's disabilities. They refused to pay for her funeral or even pick up her ashes. Ultimately, Dee Dee's father and stepmother picked them up and proceeded to flush them down the toilet. Gypsy is currently serving her 10-year sentence in Missouri's Chillicothe Correctional Center. She conducted her own research on her mother's disorder of Munchausen's by proxy and says that Dee Dee fit every symptom. Gypsy hopes to help victims of this abuse in the future. Since the murder, the media has had a field day with this case. 
Documentaries and TV shows were produced by HBO, Lifetime, Investigation Discovery, and Hulu. If you found this case interesting, I feel it is my duty to recommend The Act on Hulu. It depicts the events in Gypsy's life that led up to her mother's murder. It is pretty accurate for a recreation and it gives a new perspective on the case. I remember the first time I learned about this case and it absolutely blew my mind. I had never heard of Dee Dee's disorder and it terrified me that there were people out there who could do such a thing. To play devil's advocate, I will say that it is a mental illness and Dee Dee really didn't have any control over it. But just imagine yourself in Gypsy's situation. It's so scary to be told you're sick of all of these illnesses and take medications that you don't even know the name of. Since Gypsy was fed through a tube, Dee Dee would just crush up the medication and put it in the tube. Dee Dee had complete control over her daughter and everything she was taking. If you enjoyed the podcast, feel free to follow me on my Spotify and share it. Or if you're watching the video, please consider liking and subscribing to my channel. I would really appreciate it. If you have any case suggestions, feel free to tweet me at for the love of TC1 or email me at for the love of true crime at gmail.com. And remember, stay safe out there because you never know who you can trust.